The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. Good morning, Refuge Church. Good morning. He is risen. He is still risen. <laughs> okay, here. Okay, now. Vern, I see you. <clears throat> Aaron, yeah, can you control him back there, please? That'd be great. You can uh, do some crowd maintenance. Well, good morning, Refuge Church. Jesus is still risen, and that is a good thing. Yeah, he's, we just should be like, indeed, indeed, indeed. You know, they say holy three times, so you're like, really holy, really risen. Well, it is beautiful to be with you this rainy April day. Who of you are regretting not getting your weed and feed down yesterday? That's a real regret I'm living with right now. We're just going to lay that at the foot of the cross. <laughs> we'll get, we'll get another one. Yeah, my, my daughter thinks I'm hilarious. We are starting our Philippians series today. Joy in the middle. And so to direct our prayer of confession today, I want to invite you to spend a minute and find what you're in the middle of. Find the good or the hard you're in the middle of right now. Hold it and open your hands to say to Jesus, Jesus, you're with me in the middle of this. You can say it out loud. You can say it in your heart. We take this time for prayer of confession. What are you in the middle of right now? And be able to speak over that. Jesus, you are here with me in the middle of this. So pray for a minute and then I'll open us. God, you don't avoid the hard in our lives. You will never leave us or forsake us. You're here right now. Whatever we find ourselves in, open our ears, our hearts to receive this truth. You're with us. God, I pray that we won't see this season, whatever season we're in right now, as a time absent of joy, but a time that can be full of joy because it can be full of you. You never wait to love us. You're loving us. And I pray you'll help us receive that today. In the name of Jesus, amen. Here's the intro to our new sermon series. What are you in the middle of right now? The book of Philippians was written from a prison cell. 
Paul's life probably looked like it had reached a dead end. But that is not how Paul sees his life. Paul is full of joy. Right in the middle of a terrible situation, Paul has a happy heart. Is it hard for you to be happy in the middle of the mess of life? In this sermon series, we will learn the secret of Christian joy in the middle of whatever life throws at you. The secret of Christian joy. Who brings you joy? Or if we were to put it in today's language, we'd say, who are your people? My guess is that the people who are your people are not those who you met casually. It's those people who have experienced hard things with you and stuck through it. Find when you're going through a hard season, there are people that kind of drift away and there's people that stick to you and with you. With those people, there are shared memories that have shaped both of you and made you who you are today. There's an unspoken knowing, there's a knowledge you share that's deeper than words. You don't have to say anything because you're known. And that itself brings safety and joy. It's beautiful to be known in this way. It's beautiful to have your people. I felt this profoundly when I went to college, when I left home for the first time. I was profoundly homesick. I know that wasn't cool at college. It was the truth of my heart, is I longed for home. And I remember doing fun things where I would tell my mom and dad, I'm going to be home this day for Thanksgiving break. And then I would show up the night before just to surprise them because I longed for home. I longed for the place I was known. And the place I was known, the place I was shaped, the place I was formed, was not always an easy place. I grew up with coffee oasis, grew up with this beautiful body that then was a small house church. And we had gone through a lot together. And it was really hard to plug into a church there because I longed for the church that I'd been a part of church that had done things together, been through hard things together, and had ultimately stuck together. People in the trenches who loved one another and trusted one another. Are these your people? Do you have people? The truth we're going to learn today is this, that faith-formed people, people whose faith have been formed together, have fun together. That might be a surprise to you. People whose faith is formed together are ultimately people that know how to have fun together. And often that is pitted against one another. You you might hear someone say, sounding tough, God's about your holiness, not about your happiness, and that is wrong. (laughs) God's about your holiness and your happiness. And ultimately, he is drawing us to a place of joy in himself, and joy in those around us. And that's what we find here in the book of Philippians. If you turn with me, or you can read on the screen, Philippians 1, 1 to 11. Reads this way, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, 
This is one of my favorite verses, that he who began a good work will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And he gets all sappy here. It's right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. And whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in the knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. So Paul is writing a letter to the church of Philippi. He is in chains at this moment. And the church is different than the last time he saw them. This time it says they have overseers and deacons. They're a little church that has leadership and they're, they're chugging along as a, a people of God who are meeting weekly, probably meeting house to house. And he writes them a letter, but that's not how they were when he first met them. And it ultimately wasn't where he was at. He was not in jail when he wrote to them. The story of the Philippian church is fantastic. This is the way the church of Philippi started. It started with a dream. Paul was traveling through Asia Minor. He had actually never touched what we would think of as Europe today. Philippi is right on the edge of Greece. It's the first church ever planted in what we would think of as Europe. And he hadn't gone there yet, so he was preaching throughout Galatia and you know all these places in Asia Minor. And he falls asleep. And he gets a dream of a Macedonian man. A Macedonian man who's pleading with him to come bring the gospel to them. That's how he's invited to Philippi, which is in the area of Macedonia. So responding to this dream, he goes to the call of this man who says, come over to Macedonia and help us. And he goes, and he isn't given entrance in any of the place he usually is. The Jewish synagogue not welcome there. And so he goes to this river where a bunch of women are basically washing their clothes. And he starts preaching to them, which is interesting because the vision was a man saying, come. And he finds these women who are are just out there talking together and they respond to the message of the gospel. One is named Lydia and she is a boss woman. She's this powerhouse of a woman who runs a a dyeing business, of, they dye things with the color purple, which back then was like big bucks. So basically, Lydia was like the Gucci purveyor of her day, and he meets her, and she comes to know Jesus and says, you have to come start preaching from my house. And so the first church is planted in the house of Lydia. But the new, good news doesn't stop there as they're going around and just checking out the city They see this young girl, what we would think of as trafficked today, what we would say is trafficked. This young girl who's been trafficked and is being used to tell people's fortunes. And so they see this young girl, Paul and Silas, and by the power of God, they free her from this oppression. It's incredible. But because of this act of generosity and the power of God coming to free this young woman, the city is in an uproar 
and Paul and Silas get thrown into jail. So first two stories of conversion really are Lydia, who's kind of this outsider, this young woman who is a trafficked young woman, and then the third is this story where we're there in jail, and Paul and Silas are doing what? They're just having a terrible time. They're just grumpy. They're bitter. No, Paul and Silas are singing in jail, this fellowship of faith that is leading to incredible fun in jail. And so they're singing, they're having a good time, and an earthquake comes and opens all the jail cell doors. Well, the jailer knows that he's going to be killed if they escape, takes out his sword to kill himself. And right in the nick of time, Paul and Silas say, hey, we're still here, and the jailer comes, and he basically just says, what do I need to do to have what you have? That's the third person who meets Jesus in Philippi. This is the church of Philippi. Lydia, this young woman, and the Philippian jailer and his family. Now Paul is again in prison, and he is responding with the letter to a gift they have sent him of, of financial gift. So back then, jail's a little different than now. Jail's not great now. But back then, unless you had family or friends taking care of you, you would just waste away. They wouldn't feed you. They wouldn't, they wouldn't, clothe, they wouldn't do anything with you unless people essentially paid your bill. And so that's what the Philippian church is doing. They heard he's in jail. They're sending him money so he can eat, so he can have what he needs. And he responds in this incredible letter, which today we're going to call the three secrets of a happy church. <laughs> a happy church right now in Philippi, made up of who? Lydia, this young woman who's been freed from her oppression, the Philippian jailer, and Paul. <laughs> I loved them, told them about Jesus, and then left. And this is what he writes them. The first secret of a happy church, the first secret you learn about is this, the secret of remembering. He says this to them, I remember you. I thank God every time I remember you. I remember you with joy. I pray about you with joy. I remember your partnership in the gospel. Now, <clears throat> let me walk back on the story here for a second and see what your memory would be if this had been your experience. Number one, you get woken up in the middle of the night. That usually is not a good memory to me. Right? Two, you're rejected from all your people and you have to go down to the river to find new people, right? It's the story of Lydia. The, the third thing, the only people who continue following you are people that either are outsiders or who have been freed from demon possession. And the fourth thing is getting beaten and thrown in jail. What would your memory of Philippi be? Man, you know what? <laughs> I'm just going to keep sending postcards. Like, I don't want to go back. His memory is different than that. The two things that come to mind is fellowship and faith. That's literally the word partnership here is the word koinonia. It is partnership in the gospel. It is intimacy, unique fellowship found among Christians. And so in Paul's mind, the first thing he remembers isn't literally, it says in Acts he was flogged and thrown in jail and forgotten. And yet what he remembers, oh, I remember the meals we shared together. Wasn't that good? I remember music we sang and conversations. Koinonia, 
That is Paul's memory of the Philippian church. The fellowship, unique to believers, and faith. The faith of the jailer and his family. The faith of the little girl freed from slavery. That he who, Jesus who began a good work in them, would complete it. It wasn't you that started this. This girl who was freed from slavery. This jailer and his family. Remember, your faith story doesn't start with you. It doesn't end with you. It's something God's doing, and God is a good workman. It actually says in Ephesians 2 that he's creating masterpieces of our lives. And that's what's going on here. That he who began a good work, he who started forming your faith, will complete that. That's what he's remembering. Faith formed together has fun together. And that's what he's remembering. Remembering the fun that we had together. (laughs) He's in prison and he's like, weren't those great times? Faith without fun is a faith that is lacking. Fun without faith is also fun that is lacking. What are your memories of the church? If you were to leave and write a letter to the Refuge Church, what would that be? That would really inform looking back what it was like to be a part of this. And I don't imagine all those would be great memories. There have probably been wounds here of some kind. Times you came and you hoped you would have been spoken to and you weren't spoken to. Times you carried pain and didn't know how to share that and you just carried it by yourself. Awkwardness. We can be an awkward group of people. Amen? Amen. (laughs) What would you remember? And what memories are you currently making that we will look back on and say, weren't those good times that we had together? The second secret of a happy church is this love. Paul is unashamedly, unblushingly tender when he talks about the Philippian church. Listen to this. He says, it's right for me to feel this way about you since I have you in my heart. Like, I don't, other than my wife, I don't know if it'd be like, you're in my heart. (laughs) You know? And my kids, yeah, and my kids. You know, You are in my heart. That's where you belong. That's where you are. He had an affection for the church that is beautiful. What makes a church a tender-hearted, affectionate, loving church? And honestly, the first thing I want to do is kind of frame this in the negative. I'm going to frame it in the positive here. And it is this, that Paul focused on others and Paul shared in the suffering of others. Right, You get this from beginning to end that Paul showed up ready to serve and care for the people of Philippi. He didn't show up going, well, how can they meet my needs? Which is oftentimes the way we approach looking for a church and wanting to build friendships. And What can other people do for me? Instead of taking the model of Jesus who did not come to serve, but to, not to come to be served, but to serve. Yeah, wow, you caught me, good job. (laughs) Not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And yet, how many of us, when we're window shopping for a church, we go in and instead of going, man, how can I love and bless these people that I'm now with? We're going, how can these people love and bless me and make my life better? And we show up and we're just like trying to figure out, like, man, 
Do I fit here? And what we're asking is, how are my needs going to be met here? That is not a happy church. That's not a happy group of people. That's not a happy marriage. That's not a happy friend. That's not a happy anything. If you show up going, how do you meet my needs? It's the absolute opposite. Every time I think of you, I love you. He says, whatever I'm doing, I'm praying for you. And he says this at the end, God can testify how I long for you with all the affection of Christ. And the second thing we see here is a happy church, one that loves one another, that love is shaped by suffering. Now, like I said at the beginning of this message, and it's, it's just true, no one who you feel safe with are people who you've gone through nothing with, right? The people here, like, these are my people, I love them, I feel safe with these people, are people who you've been through the fire with, and you know, they will be with me, they will stick with me, and that was the case for Paul. They've been through these wild challenges together, right? They've been outcast together, Paul's been in prison while he's been with them. I think one reason why what we would call fellowship or intimacy within the church of Jesus, sometimes even within the refuge church is weak, is because we don't go through things together. It's a Sunday-oriented thing. And then we go and deal with our problems the rest of the week by ourselves. You're never going to feel close with the person next to you if you don't share things with them and let them share their burdens with you. Jesus told us to expect this. Matthew 5, he said, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute, and say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. It's the same thing they persecuted the prophets for. You're part of this beautiful cloud of witnesses when you start sharing the suffering of one another. In Hebrews, we're told this, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And this is the perspective of those who will be part of a happy church. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, even as you see that day approaching. Guys, that is a happy church. Not giving up meeting together, but getting in the habit of it. Something that you feel, like I do, right, as you lead a church, is that you have to, like, entertain sometimes. Like, if I'm not entertaining, if it was like, you know, some people, <laughs> you know, <laughs> people will give you comments like, man, that sermon was a home run, you know? <laughs> You're like, good, they're going to be back next week. That's not fellowship. You know, fellowship is when, honestly, I could come here and just be like, this, this was a hard week. Can we just pray together? And we'd be like, yeah, we're in it. Like, Let's do that. What does it look like for us to be focused on the needs of one another and share in the suffering? How are you sharing in the suffering? Have you come looking to how you can meet the needs of others or just looking for how you can get your own needs met? This is what koinonia is, or in the words of this chapter, partnership. We are in a partnership, or in the words of Wendell Berry, membership. <laughs> this, this agreement we've come together, unspoken, sometimes spoken, that if I have a need, I'll bring it to you, and if you have a need, you'll bring it to me, and we will carry one another's burdens. That's a happy group of people. Amen? And the last thing he does is this. Happy churches pray for one another. And it does not need to be a mystery what that prayer sounds like. 
because he actually just writes it out for them. My prayer is this, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus. His prayer is this, that they would have loving that leads to knowing, that they would be loving in such a way that they begin knowing through that love. And oftentimes we have that reversed as if the more we know, the more we'll love. Opposite's true. Notice what he says here. That your love may abound in more and more knowledge. Now, we get that so backwards in the church, don't we? We, we think, I need to know more and more and more. And the more I know, the more I know, the more information I collect, all of a sudden my heart will start swelling. Well, 1 Corinthians 8.1 kind of puts a kibosh on this where it says knowledge puffs up but love builds up. Knowledge can be constructive, but left in our hands without love, it is more oftentimes destructive, right? We're just, we're happy that we know more than people. Hopefully people can come to us and get, you know, honestly, I would take a loving person <laughs> over this the knowing person any day to be that person I walk through the fire with. Because, you know, I don't need them to show up with their knowing I need to show them show up with their loving, right? Speaking from that place. Paul says later in 1 Corinthians, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have faith that can move mountains but don't have love, I am nothing. We need the love. He's praying, may they have love for one another because that love will bring them through the fire together. If you claim to know God but do not love people, you are entirely missing the point. Man, that's what we need to pray for our churches too. Discerning is the next thing he is praying for. That their loving knowing would lead to best decisions. Literally, it says, so that you may be able to discern what is best and pure and blameless. I love this, that he's like, man, I gotta pray that they will be able to know the good things of life. And when they know those good things of life, they'll be able to say no to all the bad things. That they would know what God says. They will know what God thinks. They will know what pleases God. And they will do those things. Give them discerning hearts. Is that your prayer for your church? And the last thing is to be fruitful. But the fruitfulness that he's praised for is not what you would expect. If I were just to say fruitful, you'd probably think he's praying for them to be evangelistic that the church would grow because they're going out and planting seeds. That's actually not what he says here. He says, fill them with the fruit of righteousness. Because what comes before you going out and planting good seeds is good seeds being planted in good soil in your heart. That's what he's saying. <laughs> they're a young, they're a vulnerable church. He goes, I hope in those hearts, their hearts that I love, they would be filled up with the fruit of God's right living, God's right character, God's right heart. And this comes through, it says here, Jesus Christ. It's quite a prayer from prison, huh? If I was in prison, you know what I'd probably pray for? 
myself. <laughs> Just as sometimes coming into the church fellowship, I look to have my needs met, and I leave dissatisfied when I do that. Now, Paul had joy in prison. Why? These three secrets. Remembering. Man, I think back on the times we've shared the good conversations. I hold on to those things. So grateful for them. The loving and longing. Filling up my heart with love for these people that I've probably gone through a lot with. You've probably been upset with me at times. We've got through that. Thank you. You know, that we can get through that and we can be together because you and I are trying to outdo one another in the way we serve each other. Right? That's a happy group of people. How unhappy are relationships where you're both trying to compete, take advantage of in some way, do a little less than so the other person can do more. And last, people that pray for one another. What memories are you making now? How are you loving this church? And how are you praying for it? Is the Refuge Church your people? If it is, I invite you to do these things. And I would ask you to do that in action, actually. This week, sometimes, please write down things that you love about the church. (laughs) Things that you loved about people in this church. Write down, how am I loving the church? What am I bringing? How am I filling up the needs of others? How am I, do people feel like, do people here feel like they can share their suffering with me? And then I will respond to that. So then when I go through something, I can share that with them. And how are you praying for the church? Make a commitment to pray for the church. I promise you, if you are frustrated with somebody, if you're dissatisfied, if there's bitterness in your heart, if you start praying for that thing or that person, you will not stay frustrated long. You will start longing for them. You'll start loving them bringing your best to them. Faith-formed people have fun together, and that is ultimately why I'm excited to get into Philippians together, because Refuge Church, God did not just save us to be holy people. He saved us to be happy people and to deeply, deeply enjoy the people you are walking through life with here at the Refuge Church. Let's do that together. Amen? Amen. Amen. Pray for me. Let's pray together. Father, we confess that we, we miss out because we show up looking for our needs to be met so often. And it is scary. God, we confess it's also scary to look for our needs to be met because what if no one steps up to do that? God, I pray that we will be courageously vulnerable with each other. I pray that we'll show up, and if no one's talking to us, we'll talk to somebody, and we'll say, man, how can I care for you this week? How can I pray for you this week? We'll be formed by that. God, I pray for this church that will not just grow in holiness, but we will grow in our happiness as we learn to do life together. God, we know this is why you've not just saved us for this moment, but for all eternity, because you are bringing together a family that loves each other and a family that wants to spend the rest of eternity together with our Father, God. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Refuge Church, we're going to worship together.
in a couple ways. Uh, we're going to worship in music. We're going to worship in communion and prayer. If you would like to be prayed for, Ibrahim is right over there. He can pray for you. In communion, we remember the night Jesus was betrayed and he gave his life for us. Being raised with power, the forgiveness of sins. If you put your faith in Jesus, we invite you to come up and take communion. And then we invite you to worship with whole hearts.